Joining us today on Superheroes of Science, we're pleased to welcome Dr. Libby Richards, Associate Professor in the School of Nursing at Purdue University. So welcome, Libby. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. All right. So let, let's jump in. Uh, let's jump into some of our questions. Uh, well, I guess before we do the, the questions, so we want to know about, you know, flu shots and, and kind of the science behind that. But I guess we should find out who's telling us about these things. And so could you tell us a little bit of your background? Sure. My background is in public health. I am a nurse by training and my PhD is in public health promotion. I also have served in several leadership positions, including on the board Indiana Public Health Association and also involved in the American Public Health Association. So my main goals as a nurse and in my research is to keep people healthy and outside well, that's a good goal. <laughs> that's a really good goal. Now, I know one of the things that's because we're kind of getting ready to start, to my understanding, the flu season thing. And so we wanted to make sure we got to talk to you about flu shots because there's seems to be a lot of information out there, but I think there's a lot of good and bad information out there. And so we thought, well, Maybe it's time to talk to an expert to get so to get some knowledge about why should I get you know it's it, I guess how does it prevent the flu and you know it's can it, it, then you have all the misconceptions we can go to after that but uh, kind of what 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 is a flu shot and how does it work? Sure. So with all vaccines, we take an inactive part of the pathogen, either a virus or a bacteria, and introduce it to the body. And what we're introducing is a small molecule called an antigen. And antigens are present on all viruses and bacteria. And when we introduce the antigen through vaccines into our body, we start to stimulate an immune response. And so our body then can recognize this part of a virus or a bacteria as a bad guy, and we develop antibodies. And these antibodies then learn when it's introduced to the real deal, the real virus or the real bacteria, our bodies can attack before that virus or bacteria causes disease. Okay, okay. Yeah, but when you say a part of what, uh, um, antigen, yeah. and so it, it, that's, and so that's not like, it, it, or is that I should say, is that like um, the live virus? Is that, how is that different from a live virus? So it's just part of the virus. It's not the whole virus itself. It's enough of the virus that our body can recognize it as a foreign invader, but it's not the full virus and it's not capable of causing the flu, which is a common misconception of yes, a lot of vaccines, um, including the flu vaccine. So it can't give you the flu. It's just a, a tiny, tiny molecule part of the virus, just enough to teach the body 
what the flu virus is. So if we are exposed to the flu, we can fight it. Why do I have to get one every year? If my body knows how to fight that flu because we've given it a, something in that flu shot, the, the part of a virus, why do I have to get it again this year and next year? Sure. Well, a couple of reasons. One is the flu virus itself is really good at changing. So it'll go through mutations. And so scientists keep an eye on the circulating flu viruses every year and to try to best manage what is going to be circulating during flu season. So that's one reason. The second reason is that the immunity just doesn't last all year long. We, the immunity that we get from a flu vaccine lasts maybe six months, six to eight months. Uh, we're not gonna get your, a year long protection, for sure not lifelong protection from the flu vaccine. It's just, it's not is created that to do that because the virus has changed so much. And so when I hear you say this, and then I, I remember seeing, uh, it, they're like, oh, the COVID-19 virus is mutating. It, so from what you're saying, it's like kind of like a duh, of course it is. I mean, is this just expected? All these viruses are constantly mutating and this is not a surprise. But yes, viruses do mutate. It's part of their natural progression. Um, however, the coronavirus isn't, doesn't appear to be mutating at the same rate, for example, as influenza. So viruses can go through what we call drifts, which are slow mutations over time that we can keep track of more, or they can go through shifts. Shifts are rapid changes in the virus that would lead to some vaccines. And so we're not anticipating that the coronavirus is going through this shift that would cause vaccines. When we see, for example, um, flu pandemics, that often occurs when the flu virus quickly changes through a shift and then the vaccine isn't as effective as it could be. Oh, okay, that kind of enlightens some things for me because it's like, yeah, some years are like, oh yeah, you know, we predicted, but it's we still have this outbreak and, and it's because it's they're sh it's shifting at that point. And it okay. also that's right. And so typically the flu vaccine is 40 50% effective meaning if you're exposed you're going to have about a 50% chance exposed to. And that's for a variety of reasons, but one of the reasons is because the flu virus changes. Another one of those reasons is the flu vaccine protects against four different flu strains, and you just might be exposed to a, a different strain that's not in the vaccine. Flu vaccines, just like science in general, aren't perfect. It's, we, it's based on the available evidence and new strains of cause some outbreaks. And so is it always the same uh, four uh, things, that it, uh, the shots uh, protecting you, helping protect you, or does that change? 
so that changes. We actually look at flu season because since they're in um, the southern hemisphere, they experience flu season before us because flu season is when weather is cooler because of the virus does better in cool weather. And so we look and see what viruses are circulating in Australia to then anticipate what viruses are going to be circulating in North America. And so we have some lead time based on what's going on in Australia, actually, and the Southern Hemisphere. Oh, oh that's cool. But let's yeah, back up just cool. a little bit. To, um, okay, it's, I've always heard uh, <laughs> that, oh, yeah, the, we get the flu. Uh, the reason the flu season's in the winter is just because people are inside more. But from what I heard from you, that's not necessarily right. Nope. The virus is more stable in cooler temperatures. And so we see more cases of the flu when the temperature is cooler. Okay. Interesting. Well, and I, I think that uh, will also help some people because I think, I'm guessing some people are thinking, well, I'm doing more social distancing, so I'm less likely to get the flu. And so maybe I need to just skip the shot and not worry about it. I think that's worth talking because I've had people ask me, do you really think flu is going to be a problem this year because people are wearing masks and people are social distancing? And my response is, if people were really doing a good job with that, we wouldn't have over 6 million cases of coronavirus. So we've all seen people in the grocery stores take their masks off to talk to people or touch yeah. their mask or touch their eyes or not have a mask or be in groups. It's just natural human behavior to, to socialize. Um, and, and so yes, if people were really good at washing their hands, keeping social distancing and wearing a mask, we could totally have a low flu season. But we're obviously not doing that because coronavirus cases continue to rise. Um, but that's not to say the science behind hand washing, mask wearing, and social distancing is strong and it works. But you have to do it consistently. It only takes one time to to forget your mask or to forget to wash your hands that we then become exposed. So, yeah, well, I think flu, that's why we need the flu vaccine still this year because it obviously the flu and coronavirus are spread the same ways through respiratory droplets and we haven't, we haven't stopped the coronavirus cases. So I don't think we should expect that we're going to stop the flu. Sarah, you're going to ask them. Yeah. Okay. Well, so let's say we get the flu vaccine, uh, and and we're we're still hand washing and masking and everything. But now let's say okay, but I I still get the flu. So what are some things I can do to care for myself at home? And as are they similar or different from how I might um, care for myself if I end up with with the, the coronavirus? Sure. So. I'm going to answer that question and then I'm going to circle back to why you feel after you get the flu vaccine, um, because that's, I think that's a common point too. So most people who 
get the flu and coronavirus should stay at home and do self-care. Rest, limit your contact with others, keep surfaces clean to reduce contamination, keep yourself hydrated, use over-the-counter medications to treat fevers or to treat cough. Um, it's not until you have more severe symptoms such as shortness of breath, dizziness, that you should seek medical attention for either flu or coronavirus. The key is stay home. Give yourself some time to feel better, rest, and support. Now, the other important part is I have people tell me all the time, I got the flu vaccine and I still got I hear that a lot too. <laughs> yeah. So it could be a couple of things. Number one, it could be related to the time when you got the flu vaccine and when you were, ex were exposed to the flu virus. So it takes up to two weeks to develop immunity from the flu vaccine. That's why we say get it now because we know in October we're going to start to see flu cases start to increase. So you got to give your body two weeks to develop all those good antibodies we talked about so you have protection. So if you get your flu vaccine and the next day you're exposed to the flu virus, chances are you're gonna get the flu. The other thing is people commonly mistake um, being sick can have similar symptoms. Cold tends to be milder and lasts short, but people think it's the flu. Um, another thing is people mistake gastroenteritis and call it the stomach flu, when really the stomach flu actually isn't even a thing. So we should never say stomach and flu together. <laughs> it's oh. not the flu, not caused by anything flu related. Um, it's caused by lots of different types of bacteria and viruses that cause things such as nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea, not the flu at all. Um, so when I hear people say the stomach flu, I'm like, <laughs> not at all. Um, also, another thing that can happen after people get the flu vaccine or other vaccines in general is they feel their body developing an immune response. So they may get a very low fever. They may feel some aches. They may feel tired for a day or two. That's the that's actually really good. That's the sign that, you know, your body's doing what it should be and creating those antibodies and getting ready to bite if you're ever exposed. So, but people can mistake that immune response for getting sick with the flu. That's good. I, I want to ask another question, Libby, but I, if we have to edit this out, just tell me because I understand it oh, might sure, not. Sure, sure. Okay. Oh my, where's she going with this? I know. <laughs> well, um, I heard, I've heard that we're close to maybe getting a vaccine for the coronavirus. And I know this is maybe a little outside of what we were asking you about, but some mm -hmm. of the concerns I've heard from, from different people are that, well, once we have a vaccine, I don't want to be one of the first people getting this vaccine because it's new. And uh, one of the most recent conspiracies I heard was that um, this is how a lot of movies go, that we need this worldwide, we need a vaccine. And then the first eight million people that get it all are like, oh, you shouldn't have got the this one. Now we need to take. So how safe do you feel that a, a newly developed vaccine for something like the coronavirus is or for something like the flu, how safe are we to go ahead and get in line to get that? 
Sure. Go several different phases of clinical trials through development, testing, the right dose, and testing effect, um, efficacy. And so the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, is who's responsible for overseeing vaccine safety. And currently the coronavirus um, vaccine trials are finishing phase two and phase, starting phase three. So they've been tested in each trial has at least 30,000 people in it. Um, and there's multiple phase two trials going on so that we're talking lots and not compared to the whole US population, but lots of people being um, tested in these phase two trials. And in order for a vaccine to move out of phase two, it has to demonstrate that not only does it work, that it can produce an immune response, but also that it's safe, that the benefits of being vaccinated um, far outweigh any of the potential risks or side effects. And so the FDA wouldn't move it past phase two and phase three into circulation unless it was considered safe. Okay. The other important thing to think to keep in mind is that the back the FDA has what's called um, an adverse reaction to vaccine surveillance system. So anytime someone has um, a side effect or an adverse reaction to a vaccine, it's recorded and tracked. And so the FDA knows if um, something's you know, happening, that there are side effects that they weren't anticipating and can put out warnings and notices. So it will continue to be monitored into the public. Um, I do have trust in that I will receive a coronavirus vaccine when it's available. I will vaccinate my children when it's available. I got my flu shot yesterday, so I do have, I do have faith in our public health system. Thank you. I appreciate hearing that. <laughs> and I guess I didn't, I mean, I knew they were working on developing one, but I didn't even realize that they've had one and it's been tested, it's being tested and through large groups like that. I, I did not realize that. Mm -hmm. Wow. And all right, you said you got your um, flu shot already. And it's like, uh, what, September 3rd when we're recording. Um, and so it's, when are you saying the best time of year for people in the U.S. Um, to get to get their flu shot? So we recommend, I, we wait until mid-October. I think actually have more people getting the flu vaccine this year because of coronavirus and there's been so much in the news about vaccines and so forth. So I think that I'm hoping that we have a high vaccination rate. However, what we might start running short on vaccines. We only make a certain number of vaccines. We know that historically only about 40, less than 50% of the US population receives a flu vaccine. So if it's, if we have a high vaccination rate at some point, we'll run out of vaccines likely. Uh. And so don't wait till November. Number one, the flu is really gonna be circulating in November and two, don't take a chance that you're gonna have a hard time finding access to a vaccine. It's readily available in the community now. It's September, October. 
I didn't even think about the a limit to the number of vaccines that are created. So that's a great point. Yeah, you're saying uh, go ahead and get, but what's all audiences? Because I hear some people say, oh, well, I'm not supposed, I shouldn't take one. It's always self-diagnosed when I hear it, but um, it's, oh, I shouldn't take one. So what audiences should and probably should not, It, sorry, I realize they need to talk to their doctor and stuff for sure before they do things, sure, but sure, in general, sure. what are our recommendations? Yeah. Okay. Well, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC, recommends everyone six months of age or older receive a flu vaccine with very few exceptions. So the very few exceptions are if history of severe allergic reaction to a vaccine component, which is very unlikely. Um, some people who have a history of a syndrome called Guillain-Barre syndrome is, it's a um, autoimmune disorder that very rarely occurs after vaccination, very, very rarely. Um, they may still get the vaccine, but maybe under um, more medical um, supervision. Babies under the age of six months aren't able to be vaccinated. So that's the one of the populations we need to protect with vaccine for your health and for my health, but it's also really important for the health of our community and the health of our family because there are populations that are high risk or can't be vaccinated such as babies. And so when we have a lot of our vaccine that protects those high risk groups who can't be vaccinated. And I like the fact that you mentioned it's it's our community. It's not just who's living in your house. It's the entire community. I mean, if you go to the grocery store one time, then you've, you're one step away from most of your community. And so a lot of people think, oh, I, no, I don't live with any, that's you know, exactly any right. little babies. And so I, it doesn't matter for me, but that's, that's not true at all. Nope, it's not true at all. And um, that's really what public health is all about. It's keep as many people healthy as possible and part of that is through individual action the, uh, this is good because it's we have so many misconceptions out there and it's really nice to be able to address some of these directly yes. I, I, I know it's we're going to start hearing more and more of these misconceptions thrown out there every it's it's it's, and I'm sure you being nursing and a professor uh, at that, it's it, they probably direct them at you, not to you. <laughs> right. Well, like people say, I don't need to get the flu shot because I'm young and healthy. And the truth of the matter is, if we do a better job of vaccinating our young and healthy people, and we're going to have fewer exposures to those high-risk groups. So you may be young, but it's likely that you have grandparents or parents who might be older that you would like to see maybe over the holidays. But if you bring the flu to them during, you know, Thanksgiving or Christmas, you may not have any flu, but your loved one. For example, could have severe complications from the flu. Yeah. Good. No. Good point. Yeah, it is. It is. It's it's uh, something that we're afraid to tell people directly. Is if you don't get your flu shot, you're just being selfish and you're responsible for I'll other people. It. I'll say. It. 
<laughs> it's super true. Um, it's yeah, unfortunately, that's that's what it is. It's and so it's. I, I'm glad we. I'm glad we've been able to talk about some of the misconceptions and discuss how these things propagate. I'm really glad that you mentioned the um, the the kind of the steps of getting something approved. Yes. Yeah, that's important. And to think there's multiple studies out there with like 30,000 people in these studies is uh, that I think that's a lot more reassuring. Well, and also I appreciate that there's a system for documenting when they're, like you said, adverse reactions to those. I mean, that's important too. So the, the fact that all that's tracked, I think is really good. Yeah. Absolutely. I can't think of other misconceptions that might uh, to mention. And I think we hit all the big ones. I think we right. hear. Yeah. <laughs> good. I think and we so, did too. Uh, Sarah, did you have anything else that you wanted to? No, just thank you for your time. We appreciate your expertise and speaking with us about this. You're welcome.